Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. I am the adoptive mother of four. We started this program to tell our adoption stories and all we went through, the highs, the lows, the joys, the challenges, and everything it took to finalize on four children. Now we tell stories from all over the world. If you go to adoption-now.com, you can hear all of those podcasts. We share stories from the perspective of the birth parent, adoptee, and adoptive parent. We started a new blog called Adoption Is... You can find that on our website as well. And we've started Saturday Suggestions on Instagram. It's to help you on your adoption journey. So check us out there. Like us, follow us, and review us on iTunes. We would love it. Okay, so I am so excited. I know I say that all the time, but I really am excited about this story because today, for the first time ever, we have a birth mother and a birth father on the show. Thank you so much for joining us, Jack and Adrian Collins. You guys are awesome. Thanks for joining the show today. Thanks for having us. This is great. It's great to be here, April. So thank you. Glad to be breaking the barriers. Yes. I'm <laughs> going to ask you a million questions okay. because we get a lot of questions from the birth father side. And I'm always like, I don't know. I, I haven't had a birth father on. So here we go. I always say I'm so excited, but this is a, a challenging story. I mean, it's not easy. What you guys went through is incredible. And you guys stayed together. So how long have you been married? Wow, 21 years. 22 next year, right? That's right. (laughs) We were married in in 97. So yeah, 20, 21 years. So we met at high school. We were about 17 years old and started our journey there, really. And then met there and went to separate colleges, different places, uh, dated long distance for... Most the entire time of college. All right, let's go back to college and let's pick up your story there. Okay. So I was, I'll start my with my junior year of college. I was actually attending a strict Christian school at the time and I held all these leadership roles. I was an RA. I was editor of a newspaper, editor-in-chief of a magazine. I was just, I wanted to be this person that everyone looked up to and I I almost created this pedestal perfection for myself. And when I found out I was pregnant, I was devastated. I felt such shame. I felt that I'd be kicked out if anybody knew. And so I decided the only way I could continue would to be hide my pregnancy. And so I hid my pregnancy for, gosh, like five months in school. It was incredibly difficult, incredibly lonely. And as I mentioned earlier, Jack was attending a college in another state. And so it was just a very lonely process of trying to keep this secret and trying to also figure out what to do. I mean, I didn't know. I always wanted to be a mom. I mean, I'd always wanted to be a mom. I dreamed of being a mom, but I just knew this wasn't the time that I could support a baby. I, I often say the most expensive thing I owned was my purse, and that's true. I I didn't have any way of providing the kind of life I felt she deserved. Okay, how much was this purse? It was not a very expensive purse, we will say. Probably about $20 from Target at the time. Oh my so. gosh. <laughs> so you didn't, you didn't feel like you had what it took to raise a child, but what did Jack think? Wow. So as Adrian said, we had met in high school. We had dated senior year of high school, we had gone to prom together, just kids, you know, looking back in hindsight and kind of what we were going through. And, and, um, so dated, like she said, we went to different colleges. I stayed in state, she went out of state and then, you know, found out kind of unexpectedly that, that she was pregnant. And so this was my senior year of college. It was her junior year and kind of very similar feelings to, to what Adrian had, which was not ready, not prepared, we had been dating, but we're not married and really didn't have plans to be married at that point. So just a whole lot of things kind of swirling through my head and obviously being in different states at the time, wanting to try and figure out what I could do to support her and provide support kind of throughout the process, but realizing that we had a very difficult choice in front of us. Did any part of you want to parent? 
Yes, I think some did. But then um, I came from my background. I, I grew up in a pretty strict religious kind of family. We had a large, large family. So six kids. I was one of six. And my parents, although they did their best, really hadn't provided a great upbringing for us. And so kind of part of me internally just had those doubts of, can I be the parent that I want to be in? And really this unexpected kind of pregnancy. I wasn't yet at graduated from school. I didn't have a job and I didn't feel like I, I had a way to really provide for not just the baby, but for Adrian. So, Did either of you talk to your parents? So I didn't. I think for, for birth dads versus birth moms, and we talk about this, Adrian and I, is that for the birth dads, it's not a visible thing. So compared to the birth mom, you know, when she's pregnant, you know, you can't, hide uh, your pregnancy. I guess you can for a period of time, but from a birth dad standpoint, it's not in other people's faces, I guess, as much as it is for the birth mom. And so really there wasn't an impetus to, or, you know, that I was kind of estranged from my parents at that point, wasn't talking with them regularly. So I didn't. What about you, Adrian? Well, and I, I took a while to tell my parents. It took about maybe three or four months in when I finally decided to tell them and I was really, I just remember feeling so afraid, not of their response, but of just disappointing them. And my heart just dropped. And I know they, I mean, they did not express disappointment in me, but I I knew that they wanted me to make the right choice for me. They weren't going to come in and rescue me or you know take care of everything for me. They really just said, you know, what are you going to do? We'll support you, but we're not going to parent for you. And so I knew that I was on my own, even though I had their support and love. My mom did talk to me about the option of adoption. And at the time, I just kind of brushed it on the rug. I didn't want to hear it because I really did want to be a mom. And I was really in denial at that point. But that idea just kind of kept staying with me that, you know, that that is an option, that is something I need to look at and and look into. But they, I would say they were always loving, supportive. They they just gave me my space and which at sometimes felt lonely. But looking back, I understood they just wanted me to make the right choice for me and not be this influence that they didn't mean to coerce me into something that I didn't want to do. How did they feel about Jack? <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, you know, my my dad loves Jack and he has been a father figure to Jack since high school. And so I I know they wanted the best for us and I know they they felt strongly that we were meant to be together, but I know they struggled because I, I felt they didn't want to watch us go through what we had to go through. And they watched kind of from a distance in a sense, but they would give us advice when we could. But I felt they didn't shun you or shame you or guilt you. No, they, so we, because we'd been dating for a period of time at that point. So had gotten to know her parents pretty well, just like she said, and her, her dad, she's one of two girls. So he didn't have a son himself. So I think in some ways, you know, building a connection with him that way, I do think both are, are great people. Be clear. They, you know, wonderful, wonderful people. And, you know, they really wanted to, after they found out, they kind of sat us down and, and really kind of made us think a lot about what the plan would be, what it would look like, and, and kind of forced a difficult conversation and kind of drove us toward, you know, what is your plan here? And they were supportive of us throughout the entire process. When did you decide, okay, I'm going to consider adoption? Eight and a half months into Wow. <laughs> I really was in denial, and I mean it, I... I really wanted to parent, actually. I really wanted to parent. It was just so hard to imagine somebody else parenting my child and being a, always wanted to be a mom. I just was afraid to give that, give that idea up. And so I, I held on to, that, I, to this idea of being a mom for as long as I could. And at the very end, I just knew that I, I had to make a decision. I couldn't just keep holding on to the idea. I had to make a decision. And so it took me a while to get to that point. And what was the next step? Well, the next step, we had a couple that has sent a letter to us back when I was in college, and it was an adoptive couple. And so I kind of kept that letter. When I first got the letter, I threw it across the room because I, again, I was just so angry about my situation that I put myself in. But I held on to that letter and 
I just felt that this was the couple that I was meant to pursue in my heart. And so I give, I, I mean, out of the blue, just called the, the mom on the letter and asked her if she would come meet me and was still considering adoption. And of, of course they were, and they flew out pretty soon. How did you get this letter? How did people know you were pregnant? Well, when I said I hid it for five months, there was a point at the very, very end when, and like I said, I was an RA. And so I completely abandoned my responsibility and just couldn't feel like I could encourage anybody. I couldn't talk to my girls. And that was something that I was required to do on a weekly basis and pray with them. And I really had no energy. I was completely felt depleted and I just didn't talk to anybody. So one of the girls eventually approached me. She knocked on my door in my room and said, where have you been? What is wrong with you? And I was so tired of holding the secret at the very end that I just told her that I'm pregnant. And she she was very gracious. She walked away and came back maybe a week later, knocked on my door and said, hey, don't be mad. And I thought at first, oh my gosh, she's turned me in. But she had actually talked to her mom about my situation. And her mom happened to know a couple at her church who was looking to adopt. Okay. And where were they from? They were from California. Okay. This is a school that, yeah, because I was in California at the time. Okay. And you met at a zoo. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> Most awful place to meet. Please adoptive parents if you're ever if you're listening please do not take your birth moms or birth dads to the zoo it's the I, worst I, place i the can't planet. really even wrap my head around that <laughs> because the zoo is really hard to be at with children but no children why would you go to the zoo oh, well plus if you want to be if you're carrying a child and you want to be a mom and then you're watching all the moms with their children in strollers at the zoo is just it's just an added you know just nail in the coffin there just felt like but we decided on this outing i don't know how we decided on the outing but we decided to go to the zoo to to get to know each other and so <laughs> it was awkward i will say i mean there's there's this sense i don't know how you make those meetings mm. not awkward mm-hmm. in any sense but it was just kind of like a get to know you situation and so we met for about i mean less than 24 hours in person and just talked to them about their dreams and desires as parents and what we were looking for. And like Jack said, at the time, we felt like kids. I mean, these were people we aspired to be one day, be able to provide for our baby and provide a house and home and marriage security. So to us, they felt like everything that we wanted to be one day and just weren't at the time. Yeah. What did you feel, Jack? Yeah, so they had flown out to Colorado from California. And so we were looking for a way to interact with them kind of in a, I say a non-threatening, but in a kind of a, neutral area and an area that, that you could kind of walk around with and, and be at. So as opposed to say a formal dinner or a lunch or going to grab coffee, thought would be go to the zoo and, and uh, be able to spend more quality time with them. And, and uh, so we did, I mean, we did ask a lot of questions and like Adrian said, they kind of fit the profile of people that we saw ourselves becoming five, 10, 15, 20 years in the future, successful professionals, Delivering looked like they, they could provide the life that we expected for our, our birth child. So you liked them as well? I did. You agreed. Yeah. You guys walked away with peace. Although you did say there was one thing that stuck in your mind that you guys were both willing to overlook, but he did mention that he had struggled with an addiction problem prior, right? Well, actually, he did not mention that. Oh. So after yeah. the zoo, Jack and I remember sitting and, and felt at peace with it. However... They had to go through a background check, correct? And so when that background check came back, they found that he had struggled with addiction in his past. And so at that point, he did tell us, yes, this is in my past. He had felt that he recovered from it. It was no longer an issue. He didn't want us not to choose them because of that. And so that was a struggle for us. I mean, that was something we thought through. And at the time, I felt well, gosh, no, here I am unmarried and pregnant and who am I to judge somebody else based on their past? I wouldn't want the same to happen to me. And so we did struggle, but ultimately we chose to believe him Mm -hmm. and offer grace and to move forward with the adoption plan. That's right. How interesting though, that you felt that you getting pregnant was equivalent to someone who has a drug addiction. Oh, absolutely. I was, I was, Full of shame. Mm-hmm. I mean, full of shame. I felt like a terrible mother. I felt like I had abandoned my child or I was about to. I was full of shame. I felt just completely 
irresponsible, unloving, just a terrible mom. And I felt crushed. Now that you look back that you just said that, do you see that that is not the worst thing in the whole world? You know, how did you live that out to get to the other side of, I am not a terrible person? Well, it didn't happen overnight. I mean, it took 10 years probably at least for me to just let go, start letting go and peeling off the layers of guilt and shame for whatever reason that I that I kept them on. And maybe I wanted to appear perfect to the world around me, even to my own children. I did not want anyone to look down on me for this for this decision I'd made. And it and it took a long time. And I had to really let go of this notion of perfection and really start looking into what is the meaning of grace and why am I not showing myself grace? Mm. It's so good. It's so good. So easy to show other people, but then we're so hard on ourselves. Right. And this is a life-changing event you guys are talking about. So you decide to look past his issues that because he's saying, nope, I'm over that. Please mm-hmm. consider us. So you go forward. And did you give birth in California? No. So I went back to Colorado because it was my summer break and I was due to give birth during that time. And so we gave birth at a hospital in Colorado. And it was, I mean, that it is still difficult to talk about. It's, it's the most, leaving the hospital without your baby is just one of the most excruciatingly painful situations I can imagine being in. And you're just heartbroken. I mean, you just feel like a part of you, you just leave behind. Yeah, and so she she was born. Our baby was born on actually my birthday. So, no way. Yes. Oh wait, not just your birthday, but your twenty first birthday. My twenty first birthday. Did you think maybe we should take her home? Um, I did, and and I I'm I'm a I to say it, but I'm an exceptionally practical person, and so from the practical side of me, knew and believed that. Practically speaking, so Adrian hadn't yet graduated college at that point. She had just finished up her junior year. I had graduated. I did have a job, so I was working at that point. But, but really felt just where we were, kind of as a couple, and kind of the future, and for everything that we needed. That is as much as I wanted to, and as much as I loved this baby, really felt the most practical and right thing to do was to go through with the adoption. And knew how hard that was for Adrian, knew how hard it was for me, but really kind of in my heart believed we were doing the right thing for our daughter. How much did she weigh? Seven pounds. I don't have any ounces. Seven pounds, right around seven pounds. Yeah. Did you both hold her? Oh, yes. Yes, we had, we held her for, I mean, 48 hours is the time frame that we had. And we spent every moment just loving on her. And, you know, it was like Jack said, I mean, we, we loved her so much and and we wanted to parent. We just felt like at that time, we still weren't in this place of stability for her. And I remember, you know, and Jack and I've talked about this. I remember just wishing that Jack would change his mind and say, all right, okay, we're just, we're going to do this. And I was hoping this whole time in this hospital room. and, And I remember Jack saying to me the very last minute, I'm just not ready. And it crushed me, and it crushed me for years. But later, when I really, when we sat down and talked about it and really went through what did that mean, like I really respected him for saying that to me, that he wanted to be the best dad that he could and that he knew at that time he wasn't ready instead of just jumping into things that we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. And so, but it was hard. I mean, it was hard, especially since I told you I'd always wanted to be a mom, you know, it was really mm-hmm. hard to let that dream go at that time. Were you mad at him? I was. Did I you was. know that? I did. Yeah, I did. you could sense it. I could sense it. And it, it created a a wall, frankly, between us for a long period of time. And to this day, and even then, believed it was the right choice to make at the time. It wasn't mm-hmm. an easy choice. It wasn't a choice that really I'd wish on anyone, you mm-hmm. know, that you've a choice you've got to make. And it's a choice we made and, you know, we moved, learned from it, moved mm-hmm. forward. And, and here we are today. You had a wall between you, but you stayed together. That's what's so amazing. A lot of couples 
that wall just divides them. They can't get past that, that grief, that loss. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? We could have done this and revisiting it over and over, which I'm sure you did, but it didn't cause you to break up. Tell me about the adoptive family. They took her home and did you decide on an open adoption? No, we, you know, back at that time, open adoption wasn't this big thing that it is today. It was available, but it wasn't the most popular option. So we chose a semi-closed adoption, which meant that they would send letters and pictures for a designated period of time. So we had a three-year agreement that they would send letters and pictures every couple months. So any kind of communication wasn't really part of that plan. And we didn't even expect that. I mean, I knew that every couple of months I'd be getting pictures and letters and that's what we received. I mean, they were, they honored that agreement. And what was that like? Oh gosh, I didn't know where to open the letter or like shove it under my bed. It was really difficult. Like you want to know. And then it just reopens these wounds every mm-hmm. single time you see this sweet baby and, you know, being loved and, and cared for by another person person beside you. I mean, you want to be joyful and excited and thankful. And then the inside, you're just crushed and devastated that it's not you. So it was hard. I mean, each year it got a little bit easier as time went on. And and as I went through the process of healing and, and so did Jack, but at the beginning it was incredibly painful. How long did you wait before you got married? We waited, we were married one year later. Mm-hmm. How long did you wait before you decided you wanted to try for more children? Okay, now that's funny because I remember telling Jack, I think I started wedding night. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to start having children. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of and course. For some reason, I don't know why you said this. You're like, we're going to wait three years. I'm like, why three? Jack, <laughs> right? But I got a calendar out. I'm like, fine, three years. I think it was five. Day. It was a negotiation. You did not say that. <laughs> it was immediate. I think I said five and we landed at three. So. <laughs> So three years, yes, but I'm really glad we took three years because we had a lot of healing to do. There was a lot of discussions. No, there was that wall that we really had to work through and fight to break down that wall. It was not easy at all. A lot of hard conversations and you're entering into a marriage with loss, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not foundation, but something you had started off with. And that's not an easy thing. But yeah, three years later, and to the day <laughs> you get pregnant i get pregnant and that pregnancy ends in a miscarriage oh and gosh. i am beyond devastated i remember just feeling like god had just punished me i i felt like i had just gone through making an adoption plan and doing the right thing and what i thought was the right thing and all of a sudden i'm finally ready to get pregnant and finally ready to parent and then there's no heartbeat And that loss was so crushing to me. I remember just falling on the floor, probably cursing God and just saying, why? I was just so angry and just so confused and hurt. And I couldn't even think that there was a plan beyond that. I was just stuck in that space. And how did you respond to that? Very similar feelings. So, you know, we had been through what we had been through. We had achieved, you know, some success. We were ready, you know, at that point, you know, after going through what we had with you had a more expensive purse at that time <laughs> yeah it was like 35 dollars <laughs> yeah, she was going to nordstrom at that <laughs> right. point as opposed to target so <laughs> you know you have these dreams you have these thoughts you had planned and we were ready just like she said we were excited we were trying i think you were doing the charting very oh my God. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when's the right time okay get home let's do this and so found out we were TMI. pregnant <laughs> yeah we were <laughs> and then did you think maybe we can't have children now there was testing done after just to kind of confirm to make sure that, that we were. But we had a lot of friends at that point who had gone through kind of similar. They'd gone through the miscarriage experience. And, and you know, you hear it's another one of those things that people don't talk about as much, but it seems to happen mm-hmm. a lot. So first time, and, and obviously she had carried a prior child to full term, so knew that she could sustain a pregnancy. So in my mind, again, going much to my practicality. Right. Okay. I was not right. practical. Yes. I was an emotional mess. I thought, this is it. I am not going to have another baby. I mean, that, I felt just emotionally, it was Devastated. And yes. probably it all was unraveling too, sure. right? So it was grief on top of grief. Grief on no. top of grief, for sure. But God's grace came into play as usual every time. And 
we ended up being able to get pregnant pretty soon afterwards. And after the testing had been done and, and what I, you know, the, the supplements I needed to take, I was able to get pregnant right away after that and then, you know, carry our first son to full term. Oh my gosh. Let's talk about that. When you gave birth, what was that like? This is your baby. You're keeping your baby. <laughs> well, like night and day, right? I mean, it was this beautiful, amazing experience and it was just a celebration in that sense. And we were just so grateful yeah. to finally become parents. I felt like it was such a long journey to get there. Yeah. Healthy baby boy. She was healthy, got through everything fine. And so to finally be at that point where we said, okay, we're ready. We're ready to be parents. And then to kind of fulfill the dream that frankly, both of us had to be parents was awesome. It was incredible. And then you went on to have more biological children. Right. So we had one boy after another. And then I was thinking, I'm never going to have a girl again, right? Because I just had one. But but I started getting used to the boy thing. So we had boys, three boys, pretty close together, probably about each of them about two years, less than two years apart. Right. And that was a beautiful thing. And, and I loved being a mom of boys. It was just things I never thought I would you know, do, like make mud pies and climb trees and Clean pee off your face. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Toilets, don't even get me started yes. with toilets. And so during this time, I also felt called to become a mentor to birth moms. And I, I volunteered at different pregnancy centers to volunteer. I felt like I was a place that I could share. And it wasn't so emotionally exhausting to put myself out there, but I really felt that I wanted to hold another birth mom's hand and just say, I'm here for you. I know what it's like. This is what it, I know what you're going through. If you're, if you have questions, I'll answer. I felt like I just didn't have anybody to do that with me at that time. And I realized how valuable that would have been for me. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to offer that to somebody else. So we did this interview about a month ago and the birth mother said that the healthiest birth mothers that she works with are those that turn around and give back. Wow. They heal the fastest if they're able to stand on their own two feet and say, what I went through, I don't want anyone else to. So I am now going to mentor. She did the Mm -hmm. same thing. So Mm -hmm. very similar healing process. I mean, the grief is there, but it doesn't just stay there because now you are with someone else, helping someone else. Mm -hmm. And it can trigger things. I'm sure you felt that way going through the process with them, it was like, oh my gosh, you're feeling these things, but it's actually healthier if you trigger those things to let your body heal. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. That is. And I'm so glad you shared that because I think there is this side of me and I wish I would have mentored earlier if I, if to help that healing process, because I just carried it with me mm-hmm. for so long. And I know, you know, for birth moms who are listening that to know they don't have to hold their secret inside and, and expect that healing to take place without voicing anything they've gone through. It does help by voicing and by giving, you know, power to your story through that and by helping along, some, you know, another mom on their journey. I mean, there is healing involved and you have to be at the right time frame to do it. I mean, some are going to take earlier than later. For me, some of it triggered too much and I had to stop, but some, but then when I was able to. Yeah. And I'll put it, put in a plug for birth dad because birth yes. dads, you yes. know, really, I wouldn't say we're ignored in the process. That's not the right thing, but it's, it's so much easier. Like I said, for birth dads to kind of keep it in the background and, mm-hmm. and not talk about it and hide it just because it's not there. It's not visible to those around you. And so just like Adrian said, I think talking through it and for me, you know, being able to talk to and talk through the experience and talk through the feelings have kind of helped me process through. I think it's a very important thing for any birth dad to be able to do. And I, I don't, know of any birth dad mentoring networks, but maybe that'd yes, be something to kind of- I think of, you should start it. We could create one, you know, yes. to get going, but something to work through and talk through all the feelings that you, you, you have. Yeah, because they have a voice as well. And it's important for us to recognize that there is a birth dad involved, especially when they want to be involved and they want to pick the family and they are present during birth and they want to sign the paperwork. That's really important to validate a birth dad and to give them a voice. But also we focus now so much on birth mother recovery and really there needs to be something for birth father recovery because it's not going to look the same because you're more practical, right? right? Because men can maybe stuff it down. Maybe they're not as emotional, but there's still grief and loss and they can take that into their next relationship. And so it's important for them to heal and and move forward. So I'm really glad that you said that. And I think that you should start that. Okay. Really. So right. you need to come back on the show when you start it and we'll talk about that. <laughs> but we're going to take a break. I mean, everyone's like, oh my gosh, 
we're only in the first segment, but there's so much to your story. You guys go on not only to have biological children, but you become adoptive parents and you reconnect to your daughter in a crazy way. I mean, you've written a book and we're going to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. Hi, this is April Fallon, the host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. We love all of your feedback, ideas for shows, and applications to be on the show. Email us anytime at april at adoption-now.com. We would love for you to subscribe to Adoption Now podcast by clicking on the subscribe button on iTunes. Then you'll get a new story as soon as the podcast is released. Again, thank you for listening to Adoption Now. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today, we're talking to Jack and Adrian Collins, and they are talking to us from the perspective of birth parents. They have placed their child in their story and gone on to get married. They have three biological boys, and Adrian in her story has gone back and said, you know what? I want to help other birth mothers. So she started mentoring other birth mothers. And here we are in the story where we're about to flip the script and you guys are now going to be adoptive parents that I'm talking to, which is so crazy. How in the world did that come about? So Adrian was mentoring, like she said. We had three birth children. And after our third birth child was born, we really had no intention of having more than three. And well. Yeah. I would like lots more, but that's okay. Okay. But we, we had agreed and we had said, okay, we think three's good. We're, we're at the right number. And then kind of the story began is that a friend of mine, a coworker of mine, who I'd kind of grown close with, we'd become friends. One day we went to lunch and he told me about an unplanned pregnancy in his family. And the feeling, I don't know, God thing, spirit thing, but the minute he told me that, I really felt, that this child was meant to be ours. And and I don't know how to explain the feeling, but it was just like this powerful, I don't know. And I, I didn't, I don't think I even told Adrian about it at the time or that I had this feeling. And I didn't tell it to him, but just, I had that feeling. And then, you know, when he told me, I said, well, you know, my wife is a mentor to moms of, of unplanned pregnancies and it might be good to get them together. She can talk to her. She can, give some advice. He knew our story and kind of what we had gone through in our adoption story. So he agreed to do that and we got him in touch. And then Adrian started to meet with her. Did you know that you were going to be adopting her baby at that time? No way. No, I had no sense of that. I really didn't. I mean, I really just, Jack knew that I was open to mentoring birth moms and I really felt a passion for it. And so when he approached me, with his friend in the in the unexpected pregnancy and that she was looking into adoption, I just said, of course I'll do it, but you did not tell me no that we were, <laughs> that you felt called to adopt. But, you know, I, I was thrilled to meet with her and to talk with her. And we met several times for coffee where I was able to sit down with her and, and hear her story and talk about what it was like to be a birth mom and the journey to healing after that process. But one coffee, and we're sitting across from her, and she's kind of, her knees were shaking. She just looked a little different, more nervous that day. And she just looked at me and said, I feel like you and Jack are meant to be the adoptive parents to my son. She's like, will you adopt? And without even asking Jack or getting on the phone or anything, (laughs) I just turned to her and said, yes, yes, we will adopt. And I just knew, I knew that Jack would say yes without even talking about it earlier. I just knew he wow. would. Wow. Yeah, How so, far along was she? She was about six months. Okay. And so I went to her ultrasound with her. We found out we're having another boy, which of course, mm-hmm. and it was a totally different experience because she wanted an open adoption and I did not have the experience with that, but I was willing to learn about it and to see the difference and what that would look like for our family. So right from the beginning or right from when she asked, we just decided on open adoption. I would come to her doctor's appointments when she wanted me there. And we just became really close during that process. Let's go back to the child that you placed. What's her name? Catherine. 
Catherine. Okay, Catherine, at this time, how old is she? And have you seen her at all? At this time, Catherine was about 12 years old. We had only seen her one time prior when she was about six years old. And that was when the adoptive couple happened to be in the same city that we lived in and had looked us up and, and asked us to, if we wanted to go to the zoo. And we went to the zoo. No way. Well, no, we it, went, was, it, was, it, it was the, the botanical zoo. garden. It was, so, there there was animals. You had to feed the animals. <laughs> okay, but a similar type. <laughs> okay. So you did a zoo trip. You've seen her. I mean, what was that like? And did she look like you guys? She looked like her brother. So uh, at that point, we had had our son. He was about maybe was probably one. year and a half, year mm-hmm. year and a half years old. And so, you know, to see them together, and he was in a a stroller, and she was kind of pushing him. But to see the two next to one another, blonde hair, similar facial features, they looked like brother and sister, mm-hmm. which they were. Was that really hard? Absolutely, it yeah. was hard. Like I said, you know, you feel like you have these wounds all healed and nicely scarred over, but they do reopen. It is, you know, they do. And it was so bittersweet because it was so precious to see her next to her brother. But then in the back of your mind, you're like, what if, what if, mm-hmm. what if? And how did the adoptive parents respond to that interaction and the way they looked? And did that make them feel insecure? Are they open or? You know what? I really can't even say because we really didn't have these in-depth conversations about it and they didn't really open up to us about what they were feeling. So if they were insecure or having a difficult time, they really didn't let on to us. No, they didn't. And that was it. And they were gone. Okay. And now you're going to adopt this baby. And so she's ready to give birth. And are you in the room? I missed the birth because we are now living out of state. So she stayed in Colorado and we had moved to Oklahoma at the time. So I caught the first flight out, but I missed the birth. But I came in hours afterward and I remember being so excited, but suddenly so fearful of, oh my gosh, what if I can't be a good adoptive mom? What if I can't love her child the same as my biological children? I mean, I... I was swarmed with these just fears. And I remember just pushing through it. I probably called you, Jack, and just said. Yeah. So the baby born, Adrian flew out and then was there. I drove out from Oklahoma to Colorado, so kind of got the car, and we started heading out there. And I would actually had been in contact with my friend who was, was a in-law of hers as well. And so having him and getting insight from him kind of throughout the process kind of helped with some connection but it was kind of just a whirlwind you get that call and you go and you're out and you're ready to go here here we go it's go time it was it was exciting but it did bring up a lot of memories of the experience that we went through and so as we engaged with her and her family it was trying to make sure we were respectful and we were in a way kind of reliving the same experience Mm -hmm. that we had isn't that interesting because i think you and i had talked about this i had just written this blog about the dichotomy of adoption, right? Because when we adopted our daughter, the birth dad was bawling. And, yeah. he, said, and he said, this is your happiest day, and this is my worst day. Yes. And it was hard to be excited because this is our new baby, but like your heart's breaking because you know this dad is loving this child and wants to raise this child. And that was so hard. And then we tried to adopt another little boy that was not a good placement for us. And we Mm -hmm. bumped birth order and he needed a ton of therapy for the abuse that he had gone through. And our agency was like, the best thing for this child, and we know you love him, but the best thing for him is to go to a family who doesn't have little kids like you do and Mm -hmm. and has the resources to help Mm -hmm. him. He he will heal faster. And we're like, no, no, this is our boy. And so they flew out, this family flew out to adopt him. And I sat there and I remembered that, that, you know what? This is my worst day and this is your happiest day. Mm -hmm. And I'm bawling signing the paperwork. So you guys are having this experience where you're on the other side. Was that so hard and weird? I mean, tell me about it. Well, for me, when I opened the door to the hospital room and watched her holding her son, like you said, just every, it just was a huge trigger to me. I mean, I felt like I was completely reliving my experience. And so without even intentionally knowing it, I just 
I was filled with grief. I mean, there was no joy coming out of me in that moment. I was just full of grief. I was full of grief watching her go through what I knew she was going to go through. And then I knew the grief she would walk through and the loss that she would carry for years to come. I knew it. Did you think I can't do it? Sure. Yeah. Sure, I thought that. I mean, I remember just, I I didn't want her to go through it. I didn't want her to go through the loss that I'd gone through. And I knew, though I wanted to parent and I wanted to be this mom to this beautiful boy, I was full of loss and grief. I just remember these feelings that I just couldn't even express joy in that moment. And it was hard because I wanted to be joyful and I wanted to express these feelings of elation and celebration, but I just couldn't. So I painted on a smile and tried my hardest, but inside I just felt like I was reliving just everything from 12 years earlier. One thing you said is that the baby smelled different. Mm. I remember picking him up and holding him. And yeah, the first thing that scent is so powerful, right? And I just felt like he smells different. He doesn't smell like my other kids. Does that mean I'm always going to treat him different? Does that mean I'm not going to see him the same? And I really dealt with these insecurities that I mean that whole time at the hospital. But I really just kept praying and praying that, that God would show me how to love the way I needed to love and help me to heal these wounds that were suddenly completely exposed again. And then then I remember telling our birth mom at the time the things that I had learned. I said, you know what? You don't need to share this hospital experience with me. I know what it's like. You take your 48 hours and you take them by yourself and you're saying, you do, we do not have to be in this room. We will be down the hall, but this is your time. And I really just tried to, to remember the things that I had gone through that were important to me at the time and to help her through that time as well. And what about you? For this one, the birth dad wasn't in the picture. Okay. And so from my standpoint, really, it was interacting with, with Adrian, the in-laws of the family, and more than anything, just showing each of them and each kind of person involved support, love, and just knowing the difficulty of the situation that they were going through. And I think being able to kind of, from that practical side, I keep coming back to that, but knowing we could provide fantastic life for this child and that that he would be loved he would be brought into our family we would treat him like one of our own and we had this opportunity and i really believe kind of ordained by god or at least kind of put together by god in the sequence of events that brought that child into our home and was there was excitement go back to again that there was just that understanding of the loss that the birth mom was going through as a result of that and not having the birth dad around, from my standpoint, I'd say made it easier, potentially, that I, I didn't have to interact with the birth dad. But on the flip side, kind of made it somewhat difficult because I wasn't able to also talk to that person or kind of learn more about that person. So, What was it like when you held the baby? Did you think, is this really my son? I mean, did you have those same questions? I didn't. I, I really didn't. So the moment kind of I had him and held him and, and the minute we put him into you know, the baby carrier to walk him out. I didn't have the same feelings. And I think for birth dads versus birth moms, you think about carrying a child in your womb for nine months. For dads, birth dads, adoptive dads, it's the same experience. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. it's yeah, hey, nine months in, here's the baby, take it out. It's 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 there. You know, and so for right. me, contrasting to the birth mom where she had carried the baby for nine months birth dads, adoptive dads, it's the same. You meet the baby for the first time. Again, you maybe you felt the belly and you had been close to the baby, but really that's the first time that you get to meet that child. Did you feel guilty that you felt excited? I didn't. I, we had talked some about the experience and some of the difficulties. I don't think I realized, and shame on me for not being a better communicator at the time, but didn't realize Adrian was going through and struggling as much as she was at the time of the adoption. So I didn't, I was excited and, and really wanted to be strong for Adrian, for the birth child, for the birth mom and be a strength, if you will, through it. So. And, and I said, it wasn't shame on you. I mean, I, when I say I painted on a smile, I painted on a smile for everybody. I wanted everyone to think that I had it together and that I was capable of being this adoptive mom, even though I didn't believe it myself. I mean, I really, really tried to put on this image of perfection because I, but I was crumbling on the inside, mm. but no one knew. I think most of us do that. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you're getting involved with when you go to the hospital. You don't know if you can do it. 
you know, depending on what it is, if it's you find out that the child's been exposed to drugs or maybe the birth mom's changing her mind or I mean, there's a million Mm -hmm. scenarios that you worry about and it's good just to talk about it and be honest. And maybe you're a mom right now and you're waiting to go to the hospital to adopt your baby and you're going through this. It's okay. It's totally normal for you to go through can I do this? Will I be able to do it? What will it be like? And to have fear and to to question what you're doing. It's totally normal. It's okay. But you go forward and you guys decide, okay, we're going to take this baby home. This is our baby. But you told me that she wanted to do... What is it? I've never heard of it. A ceremony? Back at the time, I mean, they made a change of title now. It was called the Adoption and Trustment Ceremony. And it's a ceremony where you, in a sense, it's a ritual where you entrust one baby or the baby from one family to the next. And so they had brought in our pastor from our church and and their birth mom brought in her family. And and Jack and I had brought in our kids and my parents. And we're all in this chapel And I remember thinking, this is like a wedding and a funeral all at the same time. I mean, it's just this, it's supposed to be beautiful, but it's hard. You have one family expressing their loss and then one family expressing their excitement and joy to be parents. So it was hard, I felt. It was, it was very difficult, but it was incredibly powerful. Really? I I don't know the way to kind of describe it because it was... Just like Adrian said, you have loss mixed with joy. And like Adrian said, we had pastor from our church there who gave some words, read some scripture. And I just remember crying a whole lot throughout <laughs> that entire ceremony. And it was that combination of tears of happiness, but then also going back to our time when we had given up a, a child as well. So understanding the loss. So it was just the craziest, you know, most emotion filled. And I'm just, very grateful we did that. Really? I am because I think it it kind of set the tone and, and it really, in a lot of ways, connected the two families together. And, and we didn't do that when we had given up our daughter with the people that were adopting the child. And so there's something almost to that, that handover point of, okay, we are entrusting you with our child, kind of looking the person in the eye, and then that ability to kind of come alongside someone at that point and really help them through what they're going through and and show them how much you care about them and how much you appreciate the sacrifice that they're making and that she was making to to give us this child like it's the ultimate gift that you can receive as a adoptive parent Mm -hmm. i will say that in all my years of interviewing this is the first time i've ever heard of the ceremony and you said it's very common i think it would be very challenging to agree to that now she wanted it so you honor what she wants. But most birth mothers cannot even go through that. I mean, that would just be really hard to go through a ceremony. Yes, you want your child to be placed, but mm-hmm. that she really felt that she wanted to do it. It's pretty incredible on her it end. It is incredible on her end. And she's a pretty incredible person altogether. I mean, going back to my hospital experience, I mean, I had in my birth, birth plan for the adoptive parents to come to the room and last minute I was like no way I didn't even want to see them and that wasn't because I didn't you know like them I just that was my time it was so hard that I wanted that time all to myself so that for me that was so different that she wanted an entrustment ceremony and I felt like it was powerful for her as well I mean, she really, you could tell it was something that was really special to her and precious to her to do that. Is this an open adoption? It, it is. is. Okay, so he knows her, and what does he call her? Well, he calls her by her first name. He loves her. We get to see her as much as we can. It's even great now that we we live in state. And he, you know, he we get to go over there. He just has a baby sister that was just born because she got recently married. And so that's been really exciting for him to have a sibling. He's very excited about it. And, you know, and we've stayed in contact and had strong connections. And that part of that ceremony, going back to that, like I mentioned, I was friends and remain close friends with an in-law. And so I think having that connection and that individual is mm-hmm. also in the ceremony. Mm-hmm. So there's connections outside of right. just the adoption. Right. And there was a friendship that existed there. And, and you're and, bringing the families together. And we were bringing the families and together. And he attached to you, the little boy. He attached. He did. And, he did. So for a couple of weeks, it was very difficult because 
like I said, all these feelings have been triggered. And I just, when every time I looked at him, he was just a reminder of loss and grief. And that was really hard. It's even hard to admit that. But that was the truth behind it. And I didn't know those feelings were normal. Nobody said that. And plus, I didn't let anybody in to even talk about it. We didn't have the show. <laughs> we didn't have the <laughs> show. Listen to this podcast. <laughs> that would have helped me. It really would have. And so when we brought him home, I mean, I struggled for a while. But I really did pray every day that God would show me how to just love better and just not better, but just just work through that grief and loss because it is real. It is there. It wasn't going to dissipate on its own, mm-hmm. but really work to, and, and eventually I did talk to Jack and tell him I need help. I'm struggling. And he really did step up and help where he could. He just didn't know earlier. But going back to that time when our adopted son, when we brought him home, we had him home for about two weeks, you know, still adjusting to life with a new baby and the sleepless nights and and just adjusting you know as a family unit and the phone rings and it's our birth daughter so she had just called out of the blue it'd been I mean, we'd never heard her voice on the phone. It was the first time I'd ever actually, you know, heard her speak as a 12-year-old. I mean, she just sounded like a mini version of me. But she called us to want to get to know us and want to schedule a visit to come see us. And so we had so many emotions going on at the time. I just had this new son, and then my birth daughter calls, and it starts a new journey. So did she come out and visit? She did. How old was she? 12 years old. So 12 years old. So we lived, we lived in Oklahoma at the time. And so like Adrian said, reached out, connected, and they set up a time to come out and bring her out to, to meet us. To go to the zoo? Yeah, to go to the zoo. No, no zoo this This time. No. The one no zoo trip. What did you do? Did she stay with you? They did not stay with us. They they stayed at a hotel nearby and they just came to our house. So we spent a lot of time in our home during that time. And then we did a few dinners, lunches, and, and I remember, I think one, it was her adoptive dad and I took her to, to lunch together and were able to spend wow. time together with her uh, through that. But family, a lot of family time, yeah. what I would say, different events, different things we went off and did together. It was another trigger as well, because when she came, at this point, I hadn't, well, I hadn't even told my children that they had an older sister. I had kept the secret and the shame for so long. And so I remember talking to Jack, I'm like, okay, she's coming. We probably should tell them they have a sister, you know? <laughs> so we were looking through pictures and the boys are upstairs playing a game of we at the time. And, and I, we call them down and we, I'm shaking. I have this picture and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to tell them. And they're just going to yell at me, say, how could you mom? What kind of a mom are you? I just was terrified that it was going to reject me as a mom. And I remember they all came in the room and they're holding their remotes in their hand and we show them this picture and and we all just said, wait, so I'm not the oldest? And I said, no, but you're the oldest son and this is the, you know, daughter we had before we were married. And they said, oh, we finally have a sister. And they started jumping up and down and just screaming cool. And then they said, okay, mom, can we go play our Wii again? And they just raced upstairs, upstairs. And I thought to myself, I mean, that moment to me is profound, even though it doesn't sound like it, but it was my aha moment because it was the first time that I felt, okay, if my own boys can accept me, why can I not accept myself? Mm-hmm. And why am I trying to show everyone that life is perfect and, and but I'm not working through my fears? What am I teaching my own kids? And so I had this notion of acceptance that finally, I think, spoke to me that, you know what, I need to just accept myself and show myself grace and be open with my story. So it was really... Wow. So for them to meet their sister. Yeah. 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 That is so awesome. Okay. So they meet her, but then fast forward, you have this relationship with her. She comes out when she's 16 and she tells you things are not going great. Right. So when she told us at 16, we, we had a dinner with her and we asked her how things were going at home. And, and, you know, it was really, really difficult for her to share with us that things were not as great as we had hoped they would be for her. And she had told us that her adoptive dad had struggled in his past. His addiction had come up again and had affected their family. And that was really hard for me to hear. I 
I mean, I really wanted to just grab her hand and run away and just say, come with us. But, you know, we had terminated all parent, parental rights and couldn't do it. And But it was really hard to hear that she had dealt with struggle and, and life, you know, had there had been some trauma. And that was really hard for me as her birth mom, who had all these dreams for her to realize that that was something she had been facing. We wanted to help her. I don't know. The way to kind of describe it is it's she was and is our birth daughter. And when someone you love and really you want to see what you can do to, to make it better, to make it right, to, to figure out what we could do to help. And just like Adrian said, we realized we weren't her parents at that point. We had relinquished our parental rights, but remain a kind of like an aunt and uncle, would aunt, you say? Similar to an aunt and uncle. I think that's probably a good, good analogy. Yes. And, you know, we just wanted to, to, to learn more. We wanted to reconnect with the adoptive parents, try and figure out what was going on, have a conversation with them at the right time and in, in an appropriate way. But more than anything, just wanted to, to make sure she was okay. But that did not go well. No, it didn't go well. I can't even tell you what the shift or why the shift happened or what caused it. But when I tried to make the phone call to just ask, hey, how are things going? Is she okay in the home? It was very clear that my opinion was unwelcome and that I was really just not invited in their life. And and so I took a step back and talked to Jack and just said, you know what? that's okay that they don't want to communicate with us about that. We will just have a conversation with our birth daughter and just be in touch with her and just make sure she's doing okay and let her know that we're a safe place to go to just to see how she's feeling and and just to talk about things with. And so we just kind of, after that time at 16, we just kept communicating through phone calls and emails and, and she came out to visit on occasion. But we really just wanted to be like an aunt and uncle, just there to help her, just to be a safe place for her, have a connection with her, know that we loved her and cared for her and would always would. And at 18, her adoptive mother gave her an ultimatum? Well, her both of her adoptive parents gave her an ultimatum, and so they, they said to her, you can choose your a relationship between your birth family or your adoptive family. You cannot have both. And... There was no chance of negotiation on that. There was no, we got on the phone with them and pleaded and begged and said, we can both be a part of our life. It's better for her that she has both of us there. We're not trying to steal her away from you, but it's clear that, you know, she can have both of us in in the picture. And that was something they were not willing to participate with. I mean, were you guys so shocked at that point? Absolutely. I would just completely disappointed very sad that it would get to that point where we wouldn't even be able to have a relationship with them, talk through these things with them. She had graduated high school. She was in college at this point, and she was in college in Colorado. Uh, we were living in a different state than Colorado at the time, and so we were just just blown away that that it would come to that point where she or she is an adult. She has a relationship. She's got birth parents, she's got birth siblings, and her adoptive parents wouldn't be open to more connection. I mean, I'm just in shock as well, and I can't even imagine what I would do if if that was in my situation, because she's an only child with them. Yes. So that means if she doesn't talk to you, she doesn't talk to any of her siblings anymore. And so then she, this poor girl, I mean, then she has to stay with them or if she doesn't talk to them, you know, then she's with you guys, but she's away from her parents who have raised her. I mean, that must've been incredibly hard for her. What did she do? Well, it was incredibly hard for her and it was hard to watch her go through it. I mean, I felt like just watching her go through loss like that was like, it's, you know, another hard part, like leaving the hospital without her, just watching that devastation and, and almost just a sense of abandonment that she had to go through. And so I remember just talking to her and, well, Jack, you had talked to her about this part. So, you know, she was put in a spot where she, she had to decide whether to actually leave college because her adoptive parents had said, we won't support you anymore uh, if you continue with this relationship. And so Catherine, she's a 
absolutely incredible young woman. We love her so deeply. And, and she had to process through herself what that meant. And she had a pretty tough decision to make. She really did. And she spent a lot of time thinking through it. She had some counseling that she was receiving and she did. And so this was kind of in the middle of, of her first year in college. And she did go back and try to kind of connect and have talked through these things with them. And unfortunately kind of was put back in a spot of you got to choose one or the other. And she ultimately, I think, wrote a, a pretty lengthy letter. She kind of got her thoughts kind of down, you know, and shared those thoughts with us. And then, you know, basically said, I, I want to stay in contact with you, Jack and Adrian. And, and so from our standpoint, here she is. And we wanted to take care of her. We wanted to make sure that she had what she needed. And I think we had a conversation and I was kind of working through the different things. And then I had kind of stumbled upon adult adoption and anyone really can adopt anyone else when you kind of think about it. So there's child adoption, which is the much more traditional approach. But if you have a consenting person that wants to be adopted by someone else, there's a process that you go through a legal process and you can adopt adults. So propose that to her. What? Wait, so you're going to readopt her? Is that what you proposed? Yes. We will readopt you? We will readopt you. We will reestablish kind of that principle. I have chills. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just unbelievable. What did she say? I mean, she took some time. We didn't we didn't say he'd tell us right now, you know, yes or no. This is a one time offer. But we let her just sit and soak on it and just really absorb what that meant for her. And so eventually you know, she came back and said, yes, yes, I want to be part of the family officially. So did she take your last name? She did. She did. She did. She changed her last name. But we, before she changed her last name, we went before a court. And, you know, we had all the kids, you know, up in their suit and tie and, and stood together, you know, side by side and went before a judge. And, and it was it was just so surreal because the last time Jack and I were before a judge, we were terminating our rights, and now we were there to gain them back. And so, you know, the judge is looking at us, saying he's never had a case like this before, and looked at each of us and said, "Do you agree to be your parents?" And we said, "We do." Yeah. And it was this beautiful moment there that we were united as a family once more. Yeah, and I, I go back to the practical, and we were looking at solutions. We were looking at what we could do to take care of her, and, and adoption you know, was one of the things that we looked at, one of the things that we considered and proposed and discussed and talked about it as something that we would do. And just I think it, it, it all, once it kind of came up, it felt like that was the path that we wanted to move down and we wanted to go towards. So, And then, like Adrian said, that ceremony and going in front of the judge and having all of our, our children with us, our four boys, our three birth boys, our adopted boy, and then Catherine back in the family. Again, a lot of tears shed in front yes. of that judge. And, the and judge. she's going to have a story too. She she's going to be like, I was adopted and then readopted. Yes. <laughs> and would you say the judge? Oh, the judge just said, I, I don't know if he had had a case like it or it, it's not a common thing. Right. I, yeah. As you, you would expect, but and I remember the case before it, there was some bad things that happened. He's like, okay, we're going to move from that to what is now a very happy kind of event. And so we we went for the judge, talked about it, and just have the pictures to this day of just the family kind of all lined up going in to that court hearing. I will say this, that I've never had a birth father on, and I've never had a podcast this long. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You guys have really like broke the mold here at Adoption Now, <laughs> so but I couldn't stop the story because it's so amazing. And when I heard it first, you told me that another adoptive mom said to you, you're the reason why I adopt internationally is because I don't want my child to find their birth mother and then go back to the family and I lose the child forever. And I just want to say, when I heard the story, that is not what I thought. When I heard the story, I thought, I better be a great adoptive mom <laughs> so that my kids will be like, I want to find 
my family, right? And I want to be a part of that family, but I would never leave you guys. Mm. And so we can all be a family. We can all do this together and we are going to grow one day. I know it. You know, we're going to bring everybody together. You know, I do have open adoptions in different states and I do have closed adoptions. And I hope that one day we are all together and figure it out. And my son's going to be so thrilled about this family he's going to find. But that's what adoption is about. You got to adopt the whole Mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. And so if we're in that place and we do the right education and people are thinking about adoption a little bit differently, I'm not talking about if it's completely abusive, you can't have the birth parents involved. I get that. But in this situation, we wouldn't find ourselves in this if we were open they wouldn't be losing their child to you guys if they said hey you know what i love that let's all do christmas together you know it would be a different story and so that just made me think i gotta go home and just really step up my game as an adoptive mom (laughs) and just love them so much and let them know that sometimes i do feel uncomfortable with certain things and sometimes i am scared i'm not i mean that would be a lie if i said i'm absolutely totally excited about you know my birth mother in florida wants me to come and visit i am scared when they see each other that they are going to just love each other so much and then we'll be ripping them apart from their siblings yeah Yeah, i'm afraid of that Mm -hmm. you know i'm afraid to see that but i am also excited and that's what i said yes to so i gotta face the pain like you said and you guys have done that your entire marriage and your entire life is like this is painful but we faced it this is painful but we still said yes this is painful but you know and that's what makes you guys such overcomers that's what makes your story so incredible and i hope that this encourages so many people to hear both sides and to really think about these different perspectives now you wrote a book tell us what that book is and how people can get it I would love for you all to get a book. It is with my agent on submission, so it should be picked up by publishers soon and available shortly, and I can let everybody know when it is. But I did sit down and write a memoir about this, and I started with college, and, and I ended in the courtroom, and I really just took the time to really think about what I'd gone through and what it meant and what I'd learned upon the journey, but not just that, but how I could encourage and help somebody else along their journey. And so I, it took me, what, 20 years to write it, but really it, took, it was a 20 year process, but it took a couple of years to and write a- it. Adrian's being humble. She's a extremely gifted writer <laughs> mm-hmm. and this story has so many levels and she brings it to so many different levels and it's an adoption story. It's a relinquishment. It's a reuniting story, but more, it's just a story about life and how life can take turns and take you different directions. And it's how do you respond to those things in life? How do you respond to struggles, adversity that you face and, It's a beautiful story. It's gotten us to where we are today and can't wait to get it published. Wow, that was sweet. Okay, where can they find you on Instagram then? Adrian C. Collins. Okay. the name. And you're going to also write an article. You're going to do an adoption is for us. Absolutely. So we're really excited about that because you are a great writer and I love your perspective and you can talk from so many different sides of the triad. So thank you both for being here. Thank Thank you, you. April. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and remember all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.